I couldn't find anything. Um, and that's when I was like, wow, you know, I love this concept. I can't find something that I'm interested in. Maybe I can make one and then figure out raw materials and do this whole system of, of developing a brand around this type of concept. Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mind Body Planet podcast. Today we are chatting with Michael Lees, who is the founder of the Sonora brand, which makes bags out of cactus leather. So the episode is really around leather alternatives, what they are, how they're beneficial for not only people, but also the planet and for animals. It's a very interesting conversation. I'm very excited about it. Michael is not only the founder of the Sonora brand, but also has a background in environmental science and has a passion for conscious consumerism. His affinity for quality leather products inspired him to seek and create quality silhouettes in a sustainable fashion, which has led him to the creation of Sonora. Today's talk is very interesting, so let's hop into today's conversation. Hello, Michael. Welcome to the podcast. Hey. Hey, Crystal, and thank you so much for inviting me. This is super cool. Wow. It's great to be here. Let's go. I know. Yeah. It'll be a fun conversation. Today we're talking all things cactus leather, which your brand Sonora is is all about. So before we dive into that, you know, we usually start the podcast off with this week's favorites. I know you have one prepared. Do you want to go first or would you like me to? I'll kick it off because I, I really like mine. Um, so over the weekend, I actually just went snorkeling in San Diego. And I think I, I had such an awesome experience with this activity uh, going out snorkeling and I, I was snorkeling, you know, I've done it before, like in the Caribbean or any of these other uh, more tropical places, but San Diego was really different. And I'll tell you why, because you can get up and close to sea lions. Wow. And I was like 10, maybe 10 feet, five feet away from these seals and sea lions that are just like living in conjunction with, with people enjoying the beach and like the whole population of, of San Diego that like, uses the the beach there you know and they were just super chill just hanging out you know uh playing with each other and i was just like this is the closest wildlife encounter i've had with any of these animals that are twice my size so um and and to to kind of just see them in the water it's like wow this is this is freaky but they look so playful and cute and you know you're not supposed to touch them but get out and snorkel you know if i know summer's ending but if you can it's it's it, you can be comfortable and then really enjoy some of like the natural wildlife. And it just helps you appreciate how amazing um, the ocean systems can be. And so that that's been my favorite activity for over this summer that I think I would continuously do for the next, yeah, the rest of my life. It's pretty easy. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. Snorkeling is probably one of my favorite things to do ever. And I always thought to snorkel, you have to go on some sort of excursion, like be taken out on a boat and it had to be this kind of, I don't know, I guess like production to be able to do. But the last couple of times I've been snorkeling. So I was in Hawaii and went snorkeling there back in April. Um, I like joined Matt on a work trip. So I was just, I was the arm candy as I like to say it. <laughs> so I was very lucky to be there. Um, and that snorkeling was incredible and amazing. And then the time before that was um, in Mexico and Mexico was, was also really beautiful just a totally different experience. It's so weird how it's so different depending on where you go. But I realized you, you really just need like the mask and the, I guess the tube to breathe air. But other than that, you don't need anything special. Yeah. You don't need to, to, to make it a huge production and it, it makes it so much more special to be with just like who you, 
by yourself or like just with a few people rather than like a whole group of people. And uh, so, yeah, I totally can see and the seals, sea lions. That sounds incredible too. Yeah. Have a, have a snorkel buddy. If you do end up going off the, off the ocean and you know, it's nice to have somebody nearby just for safety, you know, safety first. But, um, yeah. I, I did have a, I did have a buddy, but there were plenty of other people in the public in the water. Really cool. Definitely recommend it in La Jolla specifically, actually. Uh, it's known for that. Um, and you see the seals and sea lions everywhere. Also tons of cool seagrass. And I think that Eastern, co- the Western coast there is one of the highest bi- biodiverse locations in the U S Wow. for the ocean so um definitely really unique uh beautiful place wow i didn't know that that's incredible i love that that's your favorite how fun yeah <laughs> it's kind of a way out there favorite but um i just wanted to share i think it's something give maybe inspire some folks here that listen in to uh go out and snorkel next time they they have the opportunity absolutely absolutely my favorite thing um is i, I mean it has to do with the sea. I've been really into sushi lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a little related, sort of, kind of. Definitely. I just really have been loving sushi. There's this um, chef in San Antonio that will actually like come to your house and prep it, or you can like cater it from him. And every single time, I I just love it. And I've really never been like. I mean, I I liked sushi in the past, but like I only liked the cooked stuff in the past. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like give me the raw fish. <laughs> that sounds great. <laughs> Sashimi, throw it in there. Yeah, throw it in there. So that's that's my my favorite this week. There was um, quite a lot going on, but that I will reveal another time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> Let's hop into today's topic. Please, Michael, introduce yourself and then your journey with Sonora. Thank you so much. Yes. So my name is Michael, uh, Michael Liss. I guess a little bit about my background and, and then we'll kind of lead into my company, Sonora. I actually studied uh, environmental science uh, at the University of Texas. Um, I was always really passionate with the outdoors, hence my favorite is snorkeling. Um, and it, I always had some sort of a environmental conscious, like, with with my day-to-day life paying attention to these things i would probably put my cat myself as a constantly improving sustainable activist i would never be the person that's like oh you should do this and you should do this everybody's at a different place in their sustainable journey and so i came from not knowing anything really about sustainability until college and then that kind of i i learned so much about biomes and the earth in general and the whole science of of greenhouse gases and climate change and then how urbanization really affects all of these things. And I just went through the whole, the whole realm of the environment and how humans really interact with it and what we do with the world. And, um, I went to graduate school and I've been working for a while and I had my car broken into once and they took uh, a bag of mine, um, uh, like my daily gym bag and I thought of just going out, replacing it, getting a new one. And then I, I kind of came across uh, some like news about alternative materials and alternative leathers, um, particularly mushroom leather, actually, which I thought was just so unique. I was like, wow, the, the, the science of, of growing alternative materials to replace 
you know, your traditional ones that everybody's so familiar with that are functionally better and more um, unique. Also, they're, they're more durable in any way, shape or form. And I, I just thought it was really interesting. And so I started doing some Googling and I, I couldn't really find a, a new duffel bag made of this material, actually. Um, it didn't exist yet, uh, mushroom leather. Um, it's still in production. It's called mycelium. Um, but I couldn't, from there, I just, you know, as you go and do Googling, you go down this rabbit hole of what's out there. And I, I came into this whole unique ecosystem of alternative leathers and, and different bio-based type leathers, bio-based, bio plant-based, um, or recycled uh, types of materials. And I was really trying to find something to replace that duffel bag that was stolen, and I couldn't find anything. Um, and that's when I was like, wow, you know, I love this concept. I can't find something that I'm interested in. Maybe I can make one and then figure out raw materials and do this whole system of, of developing a brand around this type of concept for your casual users. Somebody that's, that's kind of what I was looking for. And I came across this material called Deserto. And if you haven't heard about it, it's, it's grown a lot since 2021 when I started this and there's all these different types of products that can use this, but it's made of cactus leather and it's, it's pretty amazing. Now I don't want to go too much into the company Deserto, but I really want to talk more about like why bio-based materials are growing and in cactus leather in particular, and then like my brand and what my goals are. So what is cactus leather? So we'll start with that one. Um, so cactus leather and many like other types of bio-based or plant-based types of materials will take a, a main, I guess, a main plant that will be broken down, dried, and essentially is made of the, the polymers and cellular structure that will then be the carbon building blocks of the, the base material. Okay, so if that material is avocado, um, uh, seeds, or if it is excess uh, hemp material, pineapple leather from the, the the skins of pineapples, or or mango leather, or they they take that that upcycled material, they break it down, or for my case, cactus, which is a which is also a gr amazing material in itself because I can dive into that. They break it down to the, a a cellulose like material mixed with a, a resin or, or some uh, maybe some additional additives, some natural additives for color, and then press it onto a, a known fabric like a cotton weave or a recycled cotton weave or recycled polyester. And it creates a high durable tensile strength, you know, mimicked material that is so familiar to, to leather that you almost want to call it leather, but it, it's not, it's not leather, but it's also not pleather, which is made of petroleum plastic materials. And, and I can talk about why those aren't as great as well. Yeah. But why cactus is great is because one, um, yeah, you could have used corn and you could use a lot of these other types of plants, cotton, maybe maybe different cork. You know, these are all plant-based materials. But cactus is great because, one, it grows really naturally with low nutrients and low um, nitrogen to, to grow the plant. It doesn't take a lot of uh, fertilization to grow. It grows naturally in a desert. So you're not going to add this nitrogen that actually increases nutrification to the water system and, and anything like that. It also grows without water, really low water. So it, it just grows naturally, absorbing carbon and moisture from the air. And so because of those two things and its ability to grow this plant without and just harvesting leaves of the cactus without killing the whole plant makes it a, a very ideal um, plant to 
to use as a base material to, to farm and cultivate for an alternative leather, as opposed to corn uses tons of water, tons of nitrogen or cotton or all these other materials. Did you know if you could um, turn all of today's plastics and use them from bio-based plastics, you would consume 50% of all of the corn available for use. So, so the, but the, the, the massive amount of plastics that we use today is, is huge. Slowly and incrementally, consumers are going to want and demand uh, these types of alternatives. And so I, I knew that there's, there's, a, there's an opening for this type of opportunity. I was super curious about it. And I want to hopefully move away. I want to do all sorts of plastic, not just cactus, but, you know, I want to do maybe pineapple hemp, you know, wh- whatever I can get my hands on. And I feel as a, it can really suit, uh, suit the brand, you know, and go from there. Yeah, I, I started taking this cactus leather. I tried to, I started making some different products with it, and I found out that it was waterproof and it was it was a lot better than traditional leather. Um, and then I I also found out that like it it can actually biodegrade through time um, over ten to fifteen years if you if you wanted to to end its life and and send it to a landfill. But I think um, the more important thing here is that the the whole production cycle of a lot of these these bio based plant based materials is actually just intrinsically going to be lower in greenhouse gas emissions as opposed to your petroleum based products. And if, if for for the ones that are want to be true vegans, they can purchase these products and still get the amazing benefit of that that feel of a natural material as opposed to a plastic vinyl or anything like that. The core to these bio-based products is just intrinsic, like intrinsically, just lower in emissions as a, compared to petroleum-based leathers that are, you know, the the price of oils at this x amount and then it goes from this raw material processed and processed all the way to a white powder and that same polymer actually would have a very similar similar chemical structure to um the cactus based material but it's slightly changed based on a few molecules that actually make it break down as well as opposed to this plastic material that takes millions or hundreds of years to break down so that's something to think about just the, the process alone that you takes to make a plastic or an alternative pleather versus an animal that also takes a lot of carbon and emissions and, and a lot of nutrients to to grow and, and to, to harvest. And then as a as opposed to upcycling bio-based nutrients to to alternative materials or or finding an alternative bio-based plastic that you can harvest and then turn into a very useful material that is high quality in last years. And so that's kind of where I started with this journey. I was just amazed with these types of products that were out there. And I felt that as, as competition grows, it's even though competition is there, it, it pushes the consumer to have more options. And so the more options you see, the more conscious you, you get about your choices and the lower these things cost in the long term. And then it makes it available for everybody. And I think that's just the wonderful thing about getting the word out about bio-based materials, plant-based materials, cactus, or anything like that. Because you you can find things out there that are really amazing. It really is wonderful. So uh, when it comes to leather, I guess there's kind of like three categories, it sounds like. So there's traditional leather made from animals. Then there's plastic leather, pleather, which is funny. I, I don't think I realized until recently that it's called pleather. The P is for plastic, plastic, leather, petroleum leather. 
so funny to me. Maybe that I'm the only one who who's thought about that. But I was like, oh, I, now it's clicking. It's making sense in my brain. Um, and then the third category would be a plant-based leather. So in this case, we're talking about cactus leather, but there's also other things. Like you said, you were introduced to, to mushroom leather and that there's things from, uh, I think you said pineapple as well. Pineapple, <laughs> apple. You know, maybe there's enough fruits to, to make leather, you know, but the, there's a cost to those as well, right? You want your consumer not to be to be greenwashed thinking that they are going to be buying a, a leather that is more sustainable because it's made from plants because you don't, you want it to be upcycled. And that's where a lot of this actually comes into play is that I like, I like the, the avocado one uh, particularly. Um, it, there is an avocado le leather, but uh, for the sake of there's so much guacamole and there's so many, so much harvested avocados and those pits can be broken down and turned into plastic forks and knives. And they break down in about three months or less in a, in a landfill. This same goes for like upcycling apple skins that are made from apple juice. That, that material is broken down and made into leather. And there's a few companies in uh, Europe that have a very a successful apple leather brand um, to look out for. So. Wow. Fascinating. Okay. So your recommendation is you kind of want to do research on the brand and make sure that they're not, well, I guess making sure that they're using their, the entire fruit or the entire plant or upcycling it or saving it from a landfill. That's probably the most sustainable thing. Cause it sounds like it, it's pretty easy to get greenwashed by some of these leathers cause they sound better than maybe that they actually are. The, the, tr the truth behind it is that some if it takes more energy to harvest a product from a plant and then that plant in itself consumes lots of water, it's taking up land space that isn't natural, um, and then it is um, the whole process of, of using that plant to make that, that artificial material, that, that bio-based leather or that bio-based plastic, um, then that, that wouldn't technically be the most sustainable route. I mean, tr in all in all, the most sustainable route is to reuse and to limit your consumption, right? If you can find a ways to, um, let's say something, if my duffel bag didn't get stolen, like maybe maybe the zipper ripped, I would have fixed the zipper, okay? So so that those are things to think about. Yeah, but um, yeah, back to the greenwashing thing. Um, looking at that, uh, that where the products, raw materials come from and, and how that, that um, that brand or or that entity decides to to be visible and be transparent on what on how their their cycle go, on their material cycle is will really kind of indicate on on you know is this a true green or a sustainable product versus uh, something that is greenwashing and and it is getting um, you know there's so much out there it can be confusing if I think if it's not out in public and it's it's really confusing for you to find could be a red flag. I mean, it really should be as specific as possible on like how their material is and what it's made from. Definitely. Yeah. I would agree with that as far as greenwashing goes. Usually the more transparent it is, the more green flag and the, the harder it is to find, the more you have to dig for it. It's a little red flaggy, but you know, sometimes like you can email a company or a brand and they'll get back to you with all the information you need. And maybe it's just not on their website. Uh, but I do feel like sometimes with that, not every consumer, not everybody in the market it has the 
I guess, desire, the patience, the determination to do that every single time. And and I get that. Not everyone's in the same boat of, as individually emailing out certain people on a team. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Yeah, the, there is a lot of, uh, I say, uh, consumer resources or consumer um, facing product, I guess, customer service too. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So as far as cactus leather goes, bringing us kind of back to cactus leather here. Mm-hmm. So you work with that pretty much, I mean, every day, this is your brand Sonora and it's made with cactus leather. So how, what's that process been like for you in creating a brand with all of these sustainable values in mind? And obviously what you know from your environmental science education and background. It's kind of been a journey, you know, I, as a, as a technical person, it didn't actually branding is, is something I'm, I'm really interested in learning. And I, I have friends and family that have helped me along this and, and a couple of partners that have guided me on this branding. But the things I want my my consumers to kind of take away as I was going through this process is that just kind of understanding how the material is made. It might feel like leather and it might, but it's not leather. Is It creates some sort of skepticism on on the quality of a product. And so because of that, I, I went through this process of like getting the raw material and kind of testing its abrasibility. And uh, I have some examples here just just for just for the sake. I have a wallet, if you can see on the camera, for those that, um, that are listening in. It, it truly feels like this natural smoothness. And, and I wanted high quality stitching. I wanted this material to really hold up. And so... I went through my own user test, um, actually, and and washed it in the washing machine just like a, a normal person would with their wallet. And I was kind of I was just amazed with the the quality that held up. And so from there, I I went to try to help find manufacturers that have really skilled craftsmanship in leather, and and I handed them this material. I was like, Do you think you can make me um, a high quality duffel bag out of this? And they were like, Absolutely, we can do everything everybody's trying to get your business and they can do everything. But, um, it came back and it was an amazing, it was amazing bag. And I I take it to trade shows. I take it, I show my friends. And so part of this brand journey is explaining to people that there are great products out there and that you can find like this. And, And most people are like, I can't believe it's leather. And, and they're like, is it durable? Does it fall apart? I'm like, well, I've been using this for 10 months. And I mean, look at the, look at the condition that it's in. And, it looks better than their own wallet that has a rubber band strapped around it. You know, I also added like features and I'm, I'm working and in, in getting consumer feedback, trying to get like, hey, do you want this color, this color? It comes in a variety of different colors and go from there. You know, maybe maybe I'll do more partnerships with different brands. Uh, there, there are other companies out there that are also using very like that are using cactus leather. But I, I felt that I, I need to find a distinguisher type of a consumer, consumer that kind of wants that practical look, that that sleek look in a product, but that maybe that isn't kind of geared towards that high-end consumer brand, you know, the, the Louis Vuittons of the world, but just something that kind of re- represents who they are, you know, that classic practical look, knowing that it's sustainable at the same time, but feels amazing. 
Yeah. I, I love that you say that because I do feel like a lot of times in the sustainability space, and I think we're starting to see brands like yours pop up and really evolve with what people want out of a brand. But I think for a long time, especially, you know, I'm thinking about clothing brands specifically, when you heard, oh, this is a sustainable clothing brand. You were like, oh, this is very plain. It's not my style. It's a very specific type of style that I don't think a lot of people would call very like modern, I would say. I would say maybe it's very focused on basics like t-shirts, um, tank tops, or it would be like very like boho, if you know that style, where it's very like hippie-like and not everybody wears that type of clothing. And so... I, I agree with you that I do feel like in, in, in today's day and age, if you want to have a sustainable product, you got to meet people where they're at a little bit. And if that's the kind of, of thing that like, if you're your target audience and I've seen your brand before too. So I know the double duffel bag you're talking about. I know the wallet you're talking about. I know the, um, the toiletry bag. I have the toiletry bag that I use and it has held up pretty nicely for me actually. Um, and yeah, I do feel like it's cool to, to see, a modern look with the sustainability aspect as like an edge to it, you know, which is really cool. I think the leather also kind of brings more of a, an earthy feel to the, 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 the cactus material. I don't even want to call it leather. I, I really call it like a, like this cactus leather. And I want to remove the word leather because I really just want them to remain in this earthy feel because because when you think of a sustainable bag or something like that, you might think of a weave or a, a maybe a recycled tote or something like that, something that is recycled or, or maybe a recycled plastic. But even those don't have that natural feel to them if it's a recycled polyester uh, fabric woven into the whole structure think of like a jansport backpack or something like that material can be recycled do we know how green that recycled process is could take tons of energy to break down plastic and press it into a new weave material but when you have a material that's dried and then just mixed and there's less heat involved to make it a a raw material but it also has that feel that just it just feels less plasticky it has that natural feel to it. I think that's that's kind of the audience I'm trying to attract is that you can actually have a very sustainable material that is recycled from plants. So with cactus, I'm imagining that it's probably a little bit thinner than a traditional leather. Do you have to have any sort of backing on it in order for it to have that same thickness and look like leather would? That's a good question. So think of like a, a saddle on a on a cow or some or a saddle on a horse. Like that leather, it, that's a very thick leather. I mean, that's a strong hide. That's that mm -hmm. type of material is designed for very heavy wear. For example, like brute wear. This leather can vary from like the thickness of your wallet, although that, that, that material, I think 1.2 millimeters all the way to 0.8 millimeters thin. So that's, that's probably about 10 to 15 sheets of paper, maybe give or take uh, on the thickness, but it, it's still flexible. It, it's, it's almost more flexible than real leather and that you can really stretch it and, and it kind of, it really malleates as it would with real leather. I have some examples and stuff of people using it on my social media for Sonora, the Sonora brand and, and on the website as well to give perspectives and, and reviews. And there's lots of, there's lots of content out there of folks using different alternative leathers and 
and so forth. What would be your advice for somebody who is hearing about this for the first time? They didn't realize that there's plant-based leathers out there. What's your advice for somebody who needs to know what to look for when doing the research on different various companies that use plant-based leathers? If you want a high quality product and you want to have a base material of a plant-based leather, from my experience, I would pay attention to the hardware or the stitching that is used to make up that product. Like for example, if the zippers, if you notice that the zippers are high quality on maybe a bag that you're purchasing with the zipper or something of the search, and it's a high quality zipper or it's made of metal or something like that, chances are the whole product is it's going to be sound because the, the creators want to invest in high quality add-ons to, to the raw material of that plant-based material. So that means the quality is going to be sound probably all the way around. And, and that's, that's what that individual is trying to, to convey to, to the consumers. Like this is what's standing also against the others. Also look into the background like we discussed earlier. Check, uh, you know, if the, if the brand is going with this, this alternative to the plastic material, pleather, which is widely available, they, they should be talking about it. They should be exp- trying to express and show and differentiate themselves from the rest with some sort of about us or something in the brand. And then that way, that means that they're, they're trying to, they're not just advertising it as plant leather or something of the folk, you know, you want, you want to hear more about it. And so going through that process will probably help you narrow down a good quality product and a a truthful, transparent product. And going through those, you're, you know, and then you could go through the price point, you know, of what you're interested, you know, to, to get in. Okay. Do you want to spend $20 or do you want to spend a hundred dollars? There's different variations of branding and some bag designs have more design than others. So that would probably contribute to the cost and price for the manufacturing. Um, if it's very geometric shape with different types of handles versus a very simple shape that's round and oval with a standard strap and so forth. So those also can, can, create cost variations as well. Interesting. So when you say design, that is like whether or not a bag has more pockets compared to a more traditional shape? More pockets, you know, maybe more folds, different types of hardware that hold the handles together. You know, I went through this process of trying to find uh, a product that would be appealing for not just me, but like my consumers. And I came across like um, there are a lot of high-end ladies' bags out there that have very intricate designs and shapes and branding associated with them, and that all of those details do take a little bit more um, manufacturing to build. Or, or they could be associated with a celebrity or influencer, and so all those things kind of change that price variation for that third point about cost of what you what you're looking for, and and reputation in in a corp in the in the branding as well. I also like that you mentioned a good way to see quality is looking at the zipper because the zipper is something that if you don't put if you don't put a good quality zipper in it's not going to last you as long because it's going to break and it's just a good indicator of whether or not that company cares about other smaller details on a on a bag on a piece of clothing on anything really I I, I never thought about that before but it makes sense that you say it I remember my previous bag, the zipper broke. I actually repaired it. But then I went to Amazon. I was looking at all these different duffel bags you can buy, leather. And and it doesn't really talk about the quality hardware that goes into making the bag. And, and that, if, if 
if they're not if they're not trying to brag about that hardware and you buy a lower end material you end up I, I guarantee you the shelf life or i mean not the shelf life the, the the owning that bag won't last nearly as long and because of that you're going to end up it's going to end up breaking the zipper will break you'll probably stop using that bag once the zipper is broken even if you if it will just sit in the back of your closet till you decide to fix it and you you're going to go out and get another one and then you're going to have two bags that's double the the waste material that will go at the end of the life and and so you you're constantly consuming more if you pay attention to just details ykk is a, a brand that's you know known globally for zippers that's that's the one i went with i went with actually a brass zipper it's made it's made of metal um so the teeth don't chip or break off through time as opposed to plastic and um the zipper in itself you know it's it just feels so secure when you zip the bag so when you're really overstuffing your duffel bag on that three-day weekend gathering maybe too much clothes than you really need and you zip it up it's that zipper is going to probably be sound and so that's something I was trying to pay attention to is just the, the longevity of the bag. I want my consumer to probably, I want them to never have to replace this bag. You know, if it can last them 10 to 15 years and maybe if something breaks, they send it back to me, I can fix it. That's great. But that's, that's, that's what you want. You want a product that, that kind of shows age and, and lasts a long time. You can talk about it forever. That's that there's beauty in that, you know? Yeah, it is beautiful. It's yeah, I can tell how passionate you are about this. And it's not just about, you know, cactus leather, like we're talking about, but it's also about upcycling and using what you have and repairing what you have before you go out and buy a new thing, because that's equally as important. Exactly. And so I typically, you know, think about before you buy a new pair of shoes, if you can clean them, mm -hmm. make them look nice with some OxyClean. If you have a pair of white Air Force Ones or or Converse, or Vans, throw those things in the wash. I guarantee you'll be amazed. You'll get six more months out of them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's so true. So, so true. Yeah, the, the shoes that I have that can be cleaned that like that, are they last me years longer than some of my other shoes that aren't able to be cleaned in the same way. Repair, reuse. That's what I would say. Yeah, I love it. Well, thank you so much. Anything else you want to talk about as far as cactus leather go, plant-based leather, anything else you want to want to share with anybody advice or anything of the sort i guess like my journey of starting this i have only i only launched this or my company about maybe eight months ago i started but the process to get to this point took a lot longer and so anybody that's listening into this podcast that's that's interested in starting their own sustainable journey or their own business or their own brand patience because Rome isn't built in a day. Yeah. And, you know, and so, you know, working is, it's just, you're just, every single day is a little piece of the journey and you will, you will find problems. But if you look at any successful influencer, any successful podcaster, brand, you, you would be amazed with, you know, how many times they, they were hoping to, to just grow it overnight, but they were just patient. They stuck with the dream. And so for me, I, I mean, I, I, I'm pretty passionate about this material. I want everybody to learn about it. As for you, Crystalyn, like getting your brand out there and, and working with your podcast, you know, I think everybody's got a journey to go with. So just keep at it. it takes time, patience. 
I love it. I totally agree with you. You're right. I think sometimes it is hard. Like you see other people who seem like ultra successful and you're like, man, it looks like they did it overnight or in a month. And sometimes it's the comparison game can be really difficult to think about, but there's so much more behind that than mm-hmm. it's never overnight success. It's, it's years of work leading up to that and years of skills and learning from other people that from maybe from the outside looking in, it looks like overnight success, but very rarely is it actually that at all. Yeah, yeah definitely. I think for you, you always remember the people that helped you start in your the journey at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And my goal is, you know, if I, my goal is to take Sonora from this part right now. And if it grows to, to something amazing, you know, I want to be able to give back part of my profits to different organizations, give back to different influencers that have helped me along the way and like all these things. So can't wait to get to that point. I know that's going to be a rewarding part of the process. But I think that keeps me looking ahead is that it can get there one day. So Yeah, I love it. I love the the inspiration, the optimism and and not giving up on the dream. Rome wasn't built in a day. I love that you said yeah, that. Yeah. Well, please share with everybody where they can find you and the Sonora brand and support your business that you're growing. You can follow me at uh the Sonora brand dot com. That's my website. And then on my Instagram right now is uh the Sonora brand. Um, and I'm, I'm slowly, I think I need to start a YouTube channel too. As soon as I start getting more video footage, I've heard that's a great way to, to really share more deeper ends of the brand and how things are made and things like that. I'm, I think that's another social media avenue I want to break into. Um, but for now it's just my Instagram, the Sonora brand and the Sonora Yeah. And stay tuned for more information, new products in a couple of weeks. And then, uh, yeah, I'll keep you. I'll keep you guys in the loop if you follow me there. Of course, cool. I love the idea of starting a YouTube. I think yeah, there's so much to learn around these bio-based leathers. So yeah, I think you should do it. Well, thank you again for being on the podcast. It was awesome talking to you. Um, and everybody, please go follow Sonora. Check them out. See see that that cactus leather for yourself. Thank you. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. And we have made it to good climate news. Today's article is titled, Scientists Find a Whole New Ecosystem Hiding Beneath Earth's Seafloor. Very interesting article to read about. Now that our technology is becoming better and better as the years go on and people are working on improving technology, we now have the resources to basically take photos and explore the bottom of the ocean via robot. And the robot sends back photos, videos, and um, imagery of what's on the bottom of the ocean, which is so dang cool and also slightly terrifying because the ocean is massive. And I feel like there is so much to explore that we haven't yet. Anyway, so all this to say is that these robots were able to like upturn rocks on the bottom of the ocean. And they found that there are animals, bacteria, fish, all these things that are living just like ants do, essentially, you know, or other animals that live in the soil of Earth. So very interesting to think about. And uh, it's cool that we're able to explore that. 
So if you want to read that article, that is in the show notes of today's episode. No matter wherever you're listening, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, no matter where, it's going to be in the description of today's episode. And that's what we have for you guys today. If you would like to follow the podcast, you can follow us on Instagram at MindBodyPlanetPodcast. You can follow me at Crystal and Geyer on all major platforms, but the main ones are YouTube, TikTok, and Instagram. And that, yeah, that's what we've got. Heads up that next week, I've been feeling a little bit overwhelmed with my workload, so I'm just going to take that week off from the podcast. So the 2nd of October, there will not be a podcast live, but we will be right back the following week, which I believe is October 9th. So we will be back October 9th and it'll be fun. I, I've got some exciting guests that uh, I've been working on getting on the podcast. So super exciting. And if you guys have any questions, feel free to reach out. If there's anything you want us to talk about, I will be really focusing on some other aspects of the business. So yeah, reach out. Let me know if there's anything in particular that you want to hear about so I can get people on the podcast to talk about these specific things. All right. That's everything for today's episode. Thank you guys for tuning in. If you like this, always rate us. I uh, got to say that, you know, if you can rate us on Spotify as well as Apple Podcasts and even give it a like if you're on YouTube, that really does a lot for the podcast, really helps us get discovered by more people. And personally, I love reading the reviews. It makes my heart soar, makes me feel so happy on the inside. So if you can do that, that would be amazing. And that's all. That's all. I'm done. I'm done now. I'm done. See you October 9th. Bye.